0: Morning. Don't you just love to follow a great act? That's really good. <laughs> um, Kim and I have just come back from Cornwall. We had a lovely time away with our family. It's lovely to be back with the people of God. Amen. <laughs> and to be uh, to, to be um, to be together in church just lovely let's pray together in fact why don't you just put out your hands towards me and say after me dear god please bless the preacher give him the words to say put your hand on your hearts lord help me to receive everything you want to say to me today amen that's a great prayer when you think of God, what do you think about? What character of, characteristic of God do you think is, is most prevalent? Is it that he's all-powerful, can do anything, that he's the creator? I love creation. In Cornwall, you don't get any light pollution. You could just see myriads of stars, constellations. See the power and the greatness of God. I just love it. Or maybe it's that the grace of God that we've been hearing about today, that undeserved, unmerited favor of God that you can't earn. what a God that He should treat us like that. about the mercy of God. Amazing mercy of God upon us. What about his faithfulness, like Claire was just saying? He's always faithful, always with us, never leaves us. About the wisdom of God. Wouldn't that be great to have the wisdom of God? There are thousands of facets. You know, we're gonna spend all eternity with God and we will never get to fully know him we will never get to fully search the depths of his greatness how amazing he is but if you read the scriptures like I do there's one facet that is I think above all and that is the love of God it seems to me it's the love of God that is the underpinning foundation, motivation to everything he does. And so we've been hearing quite a lot over recent weeks and months about being imitators of God. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. When I think about walking in God, I see it as an act of intentionally walking in love, an act of the will, the way that we live our lives in everything we do, he calls us to imitate him and to walk in love, to be like Jesus. I don't know if you like me, that seems quite a tall order to be like Jesus. But that's his agenda for our lives. Church, that's what we're called to do is to be like Jesus and represent him in the power of his Holy Spirit here on earth. We've been talking about the vision of God. Loving God bigger. Lo- doing, doing church bigger and better. And loving bigger and better. That's quite important. It says in John that he who does not love does not know God. For God is love. And the New Testament is quite interesting because it has various words for love. We, we're quite narrow in our English language and the New Testament has a, a particular word for love that really isn't expressed so far as I know in any other language which is this word agape. And it means an unconditional love. It means you haven't got to do anything in return, not one single jot or iota, for God's love to be available to you. It's a love by choice, an act of the will. The word denotes unconquerable benevolence and undefeatable goodwill. It never seeks anything but the highest goodwill for fellow mankind. It does not need a chemistry. It does not need an affinity or feeling. And I want to say, in the world that we live in, it's not about sex. It's a word that's virtually unknown, as I said, outside the New Testament. It's not about me getting my needs met. It's about what I can do in representing God to everyone that I come across. The Apostle Paul says, love should be without hypocrisy. It's quite challenged me. Let love be without hypocrisy. You know hypocrisy, that word is about, again comes from a Greek word about um, putting on masks, pretending to be something that you're not. Paul says, take the masks off. Let my love flow through you. This authentic love of God. So I've preached on this before, but I'm coming back to this passage out of 1 Corinthians 13. And we're going to do it in three, three stages. It's the finest commentary on love anywhere in literature, anywhere, bar none. He says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, just pause there. Wouldn't that? Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing just to be able to prophesy without limitation over nations, into people's lives, or to have faith to say to that mountain, You move from there to there, clear up this mess, stop this war, help this hurting couple be reconciled to have such faith and yet the Bible says um, you could have all that but if you don't have love it's nothing It, it has no eternal value it's transient temporary And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. No amount of self-sacrifice has any value in God's eyes unless it is motivated by love. I don't want to denigrate the spiritual gifts because Paul says to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And it's interesting that 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 are all about spiritual gifts. And right smack in the middle is 1 Corinthians 13. Let all your gifts be motivated by love. So let's just look at these few verses, these amazing verses from 4 to 8. Because if we're going to love bigger, We need the love of God in our heart. When you read these words, you'll think, only God can do this. Only God can really truly love like this. And that is true. But as we begin to participate and co-partner with him, and he releases his love into our hearts, we will know the blessings that love brings. Because love is the basis and the atmosphere in which God operates. If we're going to see more miracles, more people saved, the lost coming into the church, lives restored, marriages healed, the broken made whole, it's the love of God that is at the root of all of that. He is love. It's his presence. It is the love of God that creates the atmosphere for miracles, signs and wonders to take place. Hello? Love suffers long and is kind. You don't have to like someone to love them. You might say, how do you know that? It says... Love your enemies. We pay no one evil for evil. Rather, love does the opposite. Love creates a culture that says, no matter what you're going to do and say to me, my standard to you is going to be love. I'm going to carry on loving you. It becomes a complete culture in which I live in the way that Jesus lived. Right to the very end, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. So powerful. Love is kind. It does not envy. It's interesting in, in Padstow, I don't know whether you've ever been to Padstow, but it's where the, the chef, Rick Stein, is going to say he's got his restaurant. He's got half the town. but he, He's got cooking shops and delicatessen shops and fish shops and a cooking stu- school, and, and uh, it's amazing. Uh, and yet, what you hear is, is that some of the locals are are, um, are not overly happy that he's, you know, he's doing so well. And I think all power to him, all success to him. He's brought great success to the town. There's a there's a tourism industry that comes to the town simply to come to his restaurants. And they come there for other reasons. It's a lovely place. But if we see someone doing well, what do you think? Do you think actually he's but he's a bit above himself, he shouldn't do so well? Or are you happy for that person doing well? What about a person with a particular gifting or a particular look? Or whatever it is that you see in them. Are you pleased for their success? Love is pleased for other people's success. It doesn't envy. And equally, love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. I don't know what you feel when you're around someone that keeps drawing attention to themselves. Saying, look how good I am. You know this sort of person. It becomes wearing and um, it can sort of push you away, really. (laughs) You get a bit fed up with it. Love is not like that. Love really enjoys the success of someone else and is modest and humble. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It's not looking for the accolades of man. It does not behave rudely. The love of God, agape, unconditional love, never seeks to put anybody else down. It always respects, whether you're tall or small, fat or slim, whether you're an Arab or a Jew or a Gentile, black or white, Chinese, the love of God respects and loves you for who you are. Love does not seek its own. It does not insist on its own way. And I say that love is not controlling. Love allows you to be me and me... It allows you not to be me... <laughs> Actually, that's the complete opposite. It's not about you being like me or me being like you. It's you being you and me being me and loving you for who you are. I don't have to control you to make you be like me. If you're a controlling person, can I I ask you to see... Seek God and maybe seek prayer to let go of what it is that's causing you to control. Controlling people are usually fearful people. They're fearful that they've been hurt and they don't want to be hurt and so I've got to get it just right so that no one's going to hurt me again. And if I can control you and make you like me so that you never put a step out of line. But there's no peace in that. There's no joy There's no life in it. It squashes the life out of everything around you. And God wants to set you free if you're like that. It's not my job to change you, and it's not your job to change me. God is the only one that changes us. And He does change. Seen it over and over again. He's changed me. He's changed my life so much you cannot believe. You don't know where I've come from. I love him. I love his love in my life. Love is not provoked, it doesn't retaliate or seek revenge. That does not mean you can't be honest with someone and tell them how you're feeling. Love allows you to be in control of yourself and to be powerful. Let's not be quick to take offense. You don't always have to take offense if someone hurts you. Just release it. Love thinks no evil. Other commentaries have... um, Translations have, love keeps no account of evil. Do you keep lists of things that someone's done wrong? To keep no account of evil, we've got to be quick to forgive. Releasing people from our judgment if they've hurt us. It keeps no record of wrongs. Unforgiving people eventually become bitter people. And if you know anyone that's bitter, it just consumes from the inside out. I know someone like that right now. My heart is so extended towards them because they don't see They're not hurting the person that's hurting them, but they're hurting themselves because there isn't a freedom to forgive. The love of God is forgiven. You don't need someone to come and say, I am sorry, to forgive them. Don't keep lists. Love does not rejoice in iniquity or sin, but rejoices in the truth. That word truth, Greek word means uncovered, nothing hidden, it means being real, sincere. Him and I did a, a marriage course earlier in the year. It was fantastic. And um, we were on a group with four other couples. And we were one of the couples. And the leaders didn't turn up. So we got asked to lead the, group, the, the table, which was a bit of a surprise for us. And um, part of the homework before we got there was to write down your successes in your marriage and to write down your failings and um, this was a very nervous moment for us because we had to share it with the group and because we were leading we had to kick it off and we shared the worst things about us, you, you might think we're all lovely and <laughs> But that hasn't always been the case. We shared our hearts, weeping as we did. You know what happened? People got around us and loved us, prayed for us. It's the most liberating thing, to be honest. We're starting our new groups, our connect groups. Can I say to you, it is a place for honesty openness where you can truly be yourself be vulnerable just see the love of god that comes it's amazing sets you free nothing hidden love bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things, love never fails, love never fails, you might say, well, why is that not working out in that marriage, why is that not working out in my life, if love never fails? a good question want to say is the love of god never fails when we start to get to know him he comes he makes his home with us and starts to change us from the inside out and we become like him start to operate in those levels of love that he operates in love never fails His love never fails. When you encounter the love of God, you're never the same again. You just want more and more of it. We want more and more of it so we can give it away. Next slide. Whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. It's talking about the consummation of being restored to Christ fully and completely at the resurrection. Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Can I say, it is time for us to grow up yeah. in love. We're not children. Some, well, some of us are, but what I mean is, is that there is a maturing process. John Wimber said, I, you remember John Wimber is a great American preacher, died some time ago. He said, I, I hope I grow up before I grow old. I think it's a great great word right there. (laughs) Love is intentional. We can make a choice from today. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I also am known. I think that is the craving of every human heart to be known to know and also to be fully known you know as we love people broken people that come in the church just to love them so that they know that their past is not going to define them it's not where they come from that's going to define them it's where they're going to that defines them it's becoming a son and a daughter of God that defines them and our job is to help them along the way by loving them. It meets the needs, the deepest needs of our hearts to know that we're loved. We're coming into a new season, and I believe that we're going to have opportunities to love like we've never known. And it's a wonderful privilege. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. What marks us out as followers of Christ? Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this All will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We're going to come and break bread now. Let's just prepare our hearts as we come to eat of this bread. We're all invited. Jesus died for us all. Let's just ask God to search our hearts now as we come. Let's just ask him, Lord, will you help us to love like you loved us? Will you come and fill our hearts with your love so much? Lord, we want to be consumed with your love, where your love overtakes our lives. Lord, come and show us, come and show me if there's anyone I need to forgive. Anyone I need to say sorry to. I want you to do this work of love in my life, Lord Jesus. In our lives. We want people to encounter the love of God in this place. And you modeled it, Lord. So amazingly, so sacrificially, so costly. And we remember what you've done for us. That on the night that you were betrayed, you took bread and broke it and you gave it to your disciples and you said, take and eat this, all of you. We remember your death upon the cross. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. Drink this in remembrance of me that as you believe in me, your sins are forgiven. The slate is wiped clean. You're a child of God. He comes to make his home with you we're going to do something slightly different today and I will lead you in this but when you take this cup retain the cup at the end we're going to drink it together by one spirit we were all baptized into one body we're going to drink this together as a demonstration of our unity and the love of God amongst us okay Naomi is going to lead us in some worshipers as we break bread together. Pray for one another. If you'd like to, ask for someone to, to pray for you. So let's just come. This gluten-free bread, if anyone's gluten-free, and, and then retain this, retain the cup, and we'll share it together at the end.